and welcome to another installment of Bar Talk Podcast, bringing you everything you need to know about law via discussions, interviews, and news updates. Welcome to another edition of the Omaha Bar Association Bar Talk podcast. On Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018, Judge Gary Randall of the Douglas County District Court in Omaha spoke to a gathering of judges, attorneys, and newly admitted attorneys in the state of Nebraska. Judge Randall's speech traces how he became an attorney and imparts some words of wisdom for the newly admitted attorneys as well as those who have been practicing for many years. So you know, when you graduated from high school 50 years ago, you get a chance to do a lot of stuff. (laughs) And that's a lot of what that was. Um, I've been fortunate in my career, and no one would have ever guessed that I might be here when I tell you a little bit about this and and my, my advice to some of the lawyers. It was 50 years ago when I graduated from high school it was right at the height of the peace movement. And I went to the uh, University of Nebraska. I was opposed to the war in Vietnam. I was uh, I wanted to not be drafted. Uh, my mother was scared to death that I would be, and the lottery hadn't yet been established. So fortunately, when uh, the, because my grades weren't that great, I wasn't flunking out, but I wasn't doing the best in college, as you might guess, as a first freshman. I hadn't quite acclimated myself to the whole change from you know, my very comfortable, taking care of existence, uh, living at home with mom and dad. Partying was a, a lot of fun back then, as I recall. But as they drew the lottery numbers, I kind of hit the jackpot. My number was 351. So at that point, it was pretty clear, unless we ended up in a, a, you know, World War III, that I was probably not going to be called so I could finally concentrate on my studies. I did get a degree in political science, which was completely unmarketable all by itself. My uncle, who most of you might remember, but some of you will, Francis Casey, was a fairly known, well-known litigator from Plattsmouth, uh, uh, Nebraska. And so he said to me, Gary, when you go to college, if you want to go to law school, you need to get a liberal arts degree. Well, that worked pretty well for being an activist at the time. You know, that, that kind of fit into my whole deal. So I got the degree in political science from the University of Nebraska <clears throat> with a hope and a prayer that when I applied to law school, I might be admitted. Because I clearly realized that there was no way that I could ever make a living with an undergraduate degree in political science. I was fortunate to be accepted at Creighton, and I had gotten married over the summer before law school started. And wham, I was right into that cliche paper chase thing. If you, if you uh, from the 1970s, if you remember this show about the, the kid in law school, Timothy Hutton. It was the movie. Um, and all of the rigors that went along with being a first-year law student and that whole experience. So in August of 1972, in my first class in law school, it was with Mike Penner. And how many of you went to Creighton? How many even know Mike Penner? It was also his first class that he had ever taught. Um, he was my constitutional law instructor, and that was one of the scariest days I ever had in my life. 
You know, we were talking about something like Plessy versus Ferguson. And I'm going, how many times do we have to talk about this? Why is this so important? I wasn't getting it, you know. And then we get to International Shoe. You know, and, uh, why, why do we have to keep doing these? How long are we going to talk about the same thing? Well, the answer is it's a sporadic method. We're going to keep doing it until you get it. <laughs> I think I finally did. Uh, who knew that going to law school was going to be much like learning a foreign language? So you get through law school, and as we know, at some point in that first year, as we all start to understand, if we read God knows how many pages, or how many hours every night, the light bulb finally starts to come on. Professor Fenner starts to smile. He doesn't think I've now got the dumbest group of law students that ever got admitted to Creighton. Um, and, you know, in our, but our class was a little bit different. That was the year that Creighton decided to build a new law school. So in the freshman class, instead of taking 100 students or 120 students, they took over 250 students, which is probably the only reason I got in. <laughs> but it was so that they had the tuition and then they could fill the, the new law school as it got developed. Well, it, it wasn't totally successful for Creighton because out of that 250, we graduated with less than 150 of those students. But fortunately, I was so I guess uh, what in 1974 and 75, um, you know, things looked fairly bright, but you know, his graduation came about, but law firms weren't hiring. There weren't any jobs available. I wasn't in the top 10% of my class. Shocking, right? Um, I worked hard, but you know, again, I, I did get out of school in two and a half years. So I went to school year round. I needed to be out and making money and, and, and trying to make my own way. But there just weren't any jobs available. But I happened <clears throat> to get an interview. Of course, I was initially being interviewed by Vivek Lott and Barrett Hall and all those people. They weren't particularly interested in me. But I got a job with Joseph C. Byrne, PC. And Joe Byrne was a very ethical general practitioner who had a firm. And he had one associate already, and many of you may know him, it was Tom Showmaker. <laughs> and Tom Showmaker and I formed Bond, and he basically taught me how to practice law. And now he practices in front of me, defending my practice cases, and does a fabulous job. And uh, you know, and I get to watch him, so it's pretty fun. But in that job, I made all of $9,600 a year. But I had health insurance. <laughs> I was in hog heaven. We did corporate work, we did bond work, we did general litigation, and anything that anybody else would pay us for if, uh, if we could give them some semblance of an idea that we had some idea of what we were going to be able to do. So I developed a trial practice starting with family law. Uh, I got pretty good at it, and then I moved on to other types of cases. I wanted to build my practice, so I started doing volunteer work. And I got into several, onto several boards of directors. And they got a little bit into politics. And so I met uh, Kim Roback and started doing things in the Democratic Party. And as that took off, um, things changed a little bit. And I was, I was really interested. I became uh, the, the chair of the party for Douglas County. I became uh, 
vice chair of the state of Nebraska, I got to know Kim quite well, I got to know Governor Nelson quite well. And fortunately, when all things came around, uh, at one point, Kim Robat said to me, how do you like to be a judge? And I was doing a political thing, thinking that I was going to be on the Douglas County Board of Commissioners, or I was going to do something like that. And the thought hadn't even crossed my mind. So I said, well, let me think about that. And after I did, and I looked at it, I thought, this would be a pretty good gig. No, I think I'd like to go to the next level. I'd like to try it and see what would happen. And I got lucky. There were 18 people that applied for the district court position the year that I applied. And I got selected. I was so completely honored I couldn't believe it. So as things continue, I then continued to stay involved in a lot of other activities that were allowed according to the judicial canons. And one of them was I could still work for the Alzheimer's Association in trying to advocate for the cure of the cause of that disease. So I got the benefit of being able to work with Hillary Clinton as my co-chair on that, which is a pretty exciting thing to do. So I got to do some pretty neat traveling. Um, I think few of us ever really plan on becoming a judge, you know, as the end game when we start the practice of law. And it is my belief that you first need to be an accomplished attorney, defined as good in your field, being respected by most of the other persons you work with, and knowing that your word means something. You know, having the primary job of advocating for your client's cause is, is, a, is a really important thing to do, and you have to do it effectively uh, by holding litigation out as, I believe, the last resort. In my opinion, good lawyers negotiate. Being a successful advocate and representing your client's best interests, and more often than not, may not be in that courtroom, and you need to always keep that in mind. You may like litigating, you know, as a young lawyer, but it's expensive. And somebody has to be, and you have to be prepared to be able to do it. And somebody has to pay you to be prepared. I understand the lawyer's hesitancy to invest hours and hours of time in a case, whether you are an attorney in a very specialized area of practice or an attorney in a general practice. When you come to court, you still have to be prepared. The district court is a very, very busy court. And today we have over 8,000 cases pending. Of the 16 judges that we have, that I showed you earlier, I showed you in these photographs, although this is not a current one, I will take you the I gave you the chronology because I thought they were funny. <laughs> this is our most current shot. <clears throat> um, of that, all of us have at least 500 cases that we're handling. And many of them, they all belong to you guys as well. With the country docket, um, as judges, we all have one sixteenth of each type of case, and that includes, this is the district court website, and I did want to make you available, uh, aware of that, and on this district court website, you have tons and tons of resources available to you that you should check out, you know, as a new lawyer. 
tells you what all the rules are in the district court, it tells you what the rules are in the Supreme Court, it tells you about our conciliation court, it tells you about our young adult court, and all of the other specialty courts that we have available in Douglas County. It does tell you about all the judges, and that's where some of the information has come from here. And this I'll put in the PowerPoint ahead of what I really wanted to talk about right now, so that's why we're going through it. it. One of the resources you'll find is all of the judges' names, their bailiffs' names, their court reporters' names, and their phone numbers, which should be handy for you. Also, for that one more, there's a sheet that you can get, if you have it, in the district court administrator's office on the fifth floor. And we publish it and change it with all staff, the check staff members change. And it has the correct names of bailiffs, the correct names of court reporters, and then the associated judge. And if you go in and ask the district court administrator's office for a copy of that, they give it to you, and you can just put it on your desk. You know how to get hold of anybody. It's got a crazy email address and all that. There's a list of resources on the Douglas County website as well, which I thought was quite good. And what this tells you about is how, not only how the court is organized, but it talks about all the court rules. And you need to know what the district court rules in Nebraska are. And this is a listing of all of them having to do with what we require in terms of pleadings, what's required in terms of briefs, how cases are going to be dismissed, what courtroom decorum is, what to do in a jury trial, just to name a few as you go down through here. But as you actually spend a little bit of time on this website, you're going to find it to be an extremely valuable resource. So our job as judges is to move our docket. And we have to report the status of all of our cases to the Supreme Court. And we have time frames, rules, deadlines, all of which are really important to us. And that's what we talk about when we bring you in for a scheduling conference. If you're a new lawyer, you need to be prepared to talk about those things and be aware. So we're going to be looking at your case to see if it's in compliance with the Supreme Court standards. What you're going to see is that we have lists. And this is going to show you that we have, in the district court right now, 8,492 cases that were handled. As we continue to break these down, they're broken down in categories. And you'll see that the family law category has over 3,800 of those 8,000 cases. And you can see the other categories as well. But really, the issue is that the criminal case docket and the domestic case docket swallows a lot of the trial docket of the district court. So when you're trying to get a civil case, jury case, personal injury, car accident, product liability, or another variety of case, that might be, if you don't realize it, why it's difficult to get it scheduled and to get a trial time. Because it's being eaten up by the criminal caseload and the domestic caseload in terms of trying to move that. We care about the progression standards in court because we're being judged by the Supreme Court, and they're our boss. So what I've actually got to say to the new lawyers tonight is make sure you read the district court rules. Make sure you read the Supreme Court rules. Find a mentor, someone that you can admit that you don't really know it all to. It's hard to do that to a point. They ask you questions all the time. And you really should just pause for a second before you answer it. 
to make sure you really know what you're saying to them. Or say, you know, that's a really good question. Why don't I look into that and I'll get back to you. Because <laughs> you don't want to get that, you know, don't want to give them wrong information. That's where you get yourself in trouble. Always make sure you return your phone calls. Don't promise things you can't deliver. You, uh, you aren't your client's friend. You're their lawyer. You're charging them for your time. Be respectful to bailiffs, clerks, court reporters, and all the people you run into within the courthouse. They can torpedo your case if you aren't nice to them. <laughs> Join organizations like the Omaha Bar Association, like the Nebraska Bar Association. The American Bar Association is the, is the organization that gave me the opportunity to work with Hillary Clinton and, and Kim Robach, and those people are raising the laws for Alzheimer's Association. It's a good thing for practice. When you're doing, out, out doing good things in the community for people, they like you and they come to you as an attorney. It's, it's kind of crazy how that works. Get on committees in your chosen area of practice. It'll take you out of your microcosm of your law firm, give you a broader view of the rest of the world and how, how practice of law can be different. You will learn great new things and you'll be able to bring it back to us and teach us the things that you learned. Take those gems and become great practicing lawyers. I wish you all good luck and thanks for listening.